This is the 428th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons beat reporter for the AJC, and we're going to title the episode today, Which Way Is Up? That's after the old Richard Pryor movie. Uh, Google it for you young folks. The old heads know what I'm talking about. Because that's what the Falcons have to ask themselves. Hey, we're 4-4. Four and four. We get a win. We get a loss. Uh, how do we get to be going in the right direction? Which way is up? That's the question for the Atlanta Falcons here who are 4-4 four and four and getting ready to host the Minnesota Vikings 4-4 four and four at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 1 p.m. on Sunday. We have a special guest today. Lavelle Neal III of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, one of their columnists, he's coming in to help us sort through the Minnesota Vikings who will be coming in to play the Atlanta Falcons. If you are listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and I'm hyped because I got my man Lavelle Neal III coming on, good friend from way back, one of the great baseball writers of our time. He's now a columnist with the Minneapolis Star Tribune. But let's get to some of the um, action here on the Falcon side of things. We'll go to break, then we'll have Mr. Neal on, then we'll wrap up with our notes, you know, our tale of the tape series history. And then we'll be out of here because we got to figure out which way is up for the Falcons. This was a big part of the schedule here. We had the first five games right. We had them at three and two. Then we thought they were going to take off with a win over the Texans, a win over the Commanders, a win over the Bucks, and a win over the Titans. Well, that didn't happen. They lost two games we thought they should win, the Commanders and the Titans. So instead of sitting here at six and two, they are at four and four. We had them losing to the Vikings, but that might have changed uh, drastically with Kirk Cousins being hurt on Sunday. So we can flip that one over to the win. That'll replace the Washington win. So they could still be on track here, but they have to get some answers at the quarterback position. Also, they got them. Figure out the backbone of their defense. The Falcons lost Grady Jarrett to the year with a knee injury. Here is Smith, Coach Arthur Smith, with an injury update on Grady Jarrett being out for the year. 
Obviously, a couple things. Um, some injury updates. Um, obviously, Grady, unfortunate, he'll be out for the year. So, you know, when you lose a guy like Grady, uh, who's been such a good leader for us and been a great player, you know, he'll do everything to get back. But uh, it's unfortunate, you know, it's not going to take not one person will do it, and that's what you have to problem solve and continue to evaluate that. Um, hate it for Grady. First and foremost, and then uh, you know a couple other guys that went down yesterday. You know all the guys that get uh, checked for concussions. You know they'll be further evaluated. You know whether you're cleared or not. You know guys are in that category. We'll continue to test them. Make sure they do everything we can. Uh, and the health and safety in there paramount for those guys. And then with Drake, um, you know I don't have a. a Official timeline, what we'll to see, wasn't as bad as we thought, so that would be some positive news there with Drake. And um, so that's kind of where we're at. All right, uh, here's Smith on the backup plan for losing Grady Jarrett. I think all options are on the table, you know, as we, you know, look right now, you know, short term, you know, what we need to do, to, you know, depending on the plan for Minnesota, too, that, that's going to have an effect, but obviously, you know, those guys, just numbers-wise, depth-wise, got to step up. And, you know, Kale got a little banged up yesterday. He was able to return. He's played some good snaps for us. But, you know, we were down two. We are mixing and matching. So we'll, we'll find – we'll get creative if we have to. Um, we'll look, you know, if there's help anywhere else as well. You know, that's our job to do that. Yeah, and I asked specifically um – you know, hey, well, who's going to back up Grady? Who's going to get his snaps? And was Calais Campbell an option to move inside to tackle on, you know, as part of some packages? Now, um, Calais said part of the reason he came here was to play defensive end, so he's probably not going to want to move in to tackle. So we'll see, um, you know, how they decide best to replace Grady Jarrett. They did get Contavious Street from the Eagles. But he's been a backup most of his career and looks like a rotational guy in the grand scheme of things. So here's also, um, you know, here's Smith on why to hold someone back after they've been cleared. That's the Ritter question. Well, you go back for more testing. So just because they make clear in the game, the NFL does a great job. They're going to take more thorough tests. Whether you come back in or you don't, like Keith, or whatever, you you know, that's – and I've held players out that have been cleared, and we have that precedent here. So that's my flaw for being conservative with players. So be it. But, uh, again, you just got to make the best decision for your team. Yeah, nobody was saying that was a flaw. Guys have gotten cleared, have gone right back in the game. That's been the, that's been the pattern. Uh, we, if we got to go back and uh, get the empirical data, we'll do that. Uh, A.J. Terrell comes to mind. That came to Ken Segura's mind right on deadline. So it was an issue that they were trying to dance around. But he did end up saying that uh, Heineke got the offense going. He had to take both things into consideration. You know, because Ritter got tested, got cleared, and they didn't put him back in the game. You know, now they're saying they were being safe and cautious and so forth. But other players have gone right back in the game. But, you know, at quarterback, you know, he, he's kind of in a bad spot because if he goes back in the game, gets pummeled again by Jeffrey Simmons, and then you're like, okay, then he's got a bad concussion. Why is he, you know, that wasn't a really good clear. Uh, you know, just think of the Tua situation. Just think of Brock Purdy last week, you know, 
gets cleared six days later, goes out and plays like a mess. And um, so now people are saying, hey, how did he get cleared? So, they, you know, either way, coach is going to get it. But, you know, we just have to, you know, let him, let everybody know that, hey, he was cleared. He could have went back in. They didn't put him back in. So we can call it a benching. And then this week they're, they're saying he's got follow-up stuff, which, you know, we, we'll get all into the concussion protocols and how they match the um, brain scans from early in the season when nothing's happening until now and make sure they're, you know, perfect or whatever. Uh, Ritter had messed up a couple plays uh, in the game, so they thought he was off. And, you know, all that's true. You know, we, we take everybody for their word here. But, yeah, they didn't want to say he was benched, and it might not be benched for permanent benching, but uh, maybe temporary. Uh, I fully expect Heineke to be named the starter on Wednesday and see him out there against the Vikings on Sunday. Now, here is uh, Lorenzo Carter on what the team will do without Grady Jarrett. Uh, it's going to be tough, but everybody has to stay positive. We're telling them to stay positive. So, first, we got to do the same thing. We got to just understand that we got to step up and make more plays for him. Is he doing all right if you've had a chance to talk to him? It seems like he was right back out on the field in the second half cheering you guys on. I mean, is he, is he doing okay? Oh, yeah, that's Grady, man. Um, Grady's going to be Grady. So, it's just another test for him. And, I mean, I, I expect him to do great. I know you can't replace him, but what can you do to try to sort of minimize his loss at all? Uh, this it's time for guys to step up. Um, we, we have a deep team. We have guys that can come in and make plays. So it's just time for everybody to step up and make plays. All right, that was Lorenzo Carter. Here he is. Also, that was a scrum was a reporter from um, Justin Fielder from Fox and another reporter from uh, the website that shall remain nameless. And um, here is Carter on the linebacker rotation. Oh man. I mean, it's probably going to be more of a rotation now that Grady's not in the middle clogging stuff up. But that's it doesn't matter how we roll. We just know we're fresher. Okay. Because you, you had mentioned it was going to be a new role for you. I'm just yeah. checking with halfway on how it's going. Oh, yeah, going yeah. Right. I mean, it's, not, it's definitely not taking 65 plays a game. Uh-huh. And I can tell the difference, like, today, days like today. I get treatment real quick and uh-huh. get doing my day, but yeah, man, it's it's good not taking all those plays on your body, especially getting older. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, just what kind of following up on that um, four and four, it's a lot of teams in the pack, but you know a lot of the opportunity to make your moves and stuff. Yeah, too. definitely, definitely a lot of opportunity. Um, we're still in control of our destiny um, in the NFC South, so. That's the fastest way to make playoffs win division. So that's still the goal, and it's still very attainable. All right, that's Lorenzo Carter on the outside linebacker rotation. You know, I was asking him if it's him, but okay, um, Arnold Epicady and him. You know, now they might have to do some more uh, tinkering with the defense here. And Tyquan Graham, you know. He was the main starter in there with Grady last year, was having a great year till he got injured, and now he's been in the backup role. But uh, he has been in contact with Grady. I talked to him after the game. He was in good spirits. He didn't know the extent of the injury at that time. But here's what Tyquan Graham said about Grady and that he's doing fine. Yeah, I'll talk to him. Um, I think just like anybody, you know, you work so hard, you know, to put that product out here, it's, it's kind of hard when, you know, you go down, you know, unexpectedly on a play that you felt like it would have been nothing. But, mm-hmm. 
he's uh you know he's definitely a trooper you know he's somebody that I definitely counted on you know from a leadership standpoint but as well as a friendship so it definitely was tough to you know see him get that news but uh, I think he's doing pretty well you know you know with the news that he got and everything I think he'll just do everything you know the right way to get back yeah and Graham has been you know in a reserve role coming back from that knee surgery in part because David Oyamata took over that spot. If they can get him back to close to where he was playing at, he would be the prime guy to get in there and take over Grady's spot. And so uh, I asked him uh, what you know he will take on in the future. Yeah, I definitely hope they put more on my plate. But, uh, you know, uh, whatever coach rolls with is what I'm going to roll with. And I'm going to do my best to go out there and, you know, uh, put in that effort, put in that, you know, work for the team, mm -hmm. uh, just whatever they throw at me. We really just reviewed the game today and everything that, you know, was going on in the game. We haven't talked about anything that's going to happen in the future. All right. Well, if he was – LaCal London, in, in uh, Graham's absence, he's been the main uh, backup here the last three games. He got most of Grady's snaps. He's doing great. Must be uh, uh, passing those film re reviews in uh, great fashion. So we asked LaCole London, the former XFL player, the former St. Louis Battlehawk. We chatted with him about Grady Jarrett and possibly helping to fill that role. Yeah, it's very tough, especially someone like Grady that works how hard he works, you know. You just hate to see something like that happen to a person like that, you know, comes out every day, practice, works his ass off. It's definitely tough. Uh, and then you guys have been getting, you know, reps and, and uh, you know, in the rotation and everything. You think that that's good to go and then uh, they might spread the snaps around there? Yeah, I think we got a good thing going with uh, spreading the snaps around, you know. A lot of guys we trust to get in there and do what they're supposed to. So moving forward, I think it's just mm -hmm. guys who got to step up and do, do what they need to do, man. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. And uh, before we... Bring on our special guest, Mr. Lavelle Neal III. I have a deal for you. Matter of fact, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a deal for you. We have a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. 
That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Let's bring on Mr. Lavelle Neal III of the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Thanks for coming on the show, Lavelle. How's it going? It's going well. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your podcast today, sir. Well, thank you so much, Lavelle. Let's get uh, let's get right to it. Uh, just tell a little bit, of, tell the people about you. I don't want to brag on you. I'm gonna let you do it yourself. <laughs> well, I've been in Minnesota since 1997. I covered the Twins from '98 through uh, 2020. And uh, then I screwed up and got promoted. So now I'm a columnist. I write about all the sports right now. So it's been cool. Um, I actually covered the Beijing Olympics uh, in uh, in 2022. So that was quite an experience. And uh, I write a little bit about everything now. So I got to go to go for football uh, media availability tomorrow. And then I got to go for basketball media availability. So making the rounds, meeting different people, writing different things. It's really cool. Yeah, Coach, row the boat. Hey, yeah, yeah, me and Lavelle go back way before all of that. And, um, you know, some kind of happened history at the same time where he was the first uh, African-American president of the Baseball Writers of America. That's right. BBWAA. And I was also the first black president of the Pro Football Writers of America in 2013. But, hey, let's, let's get right to the lots going on in Minnesota. Just unpack the day. Kirk Cousins gets hurt. You got a new quarterback. You trade for a quarterback. You've been busy. Let let the fans here uh, in Atlanta, the Falcon fans, know what's been happening in Minnesota. It's going to be a little different offense when the Vikings come down there to play the uh, Dirty Birds this weekend uh, <laughs> in in Atlanta. So after Cousins ruptured his uh, right Achilles, he's out for the year, and his career, of course, is in jeopardy because he's 35 years old. Um, the Vikings were looking around for a quarterback. It's not that easy because they're up against the cap. They didn't want to sign a free agent like Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan or the skeletal remains of Tom Brady. Um, they decided to find someone they could fit under their cap. So they went up for Josh Dobbs. They uh, sent uh, the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, a low draft pick. I believe it's a seventh round pick in exchange for Josh Dobbs, who started about eight games for the Cardinals this year. I thought the price was rather cheap for what they were getting, especially since Kyler Murray has not been cleared to start playing games yet, but the Cardinals are willing to trade Dobbs. Now, I'm not saying they, this is an impact trade, but in terms of uh, what they could find for a half season, it's probably the best that the Vikings could have done. Dobbs can do a little bit with his feet. He can do a little bit with his arm. He's got a degree in uh, in aeronautical engineering, so he's going to be able to think his way through some situations here. You know, he's definitely going to be the smartest man in the quarterback room, but it gives him another option. You're going to see uh, when the Vikings come down there on Sunday, you can see Jalen Hall start. He's going to make his first major, uh, first NFL start coming out of Brigham Young. He's another guy who makes some plays with his feet. So Dobbs and Hall are similar to that. So you're going to see uh, offensive scheme from coach Kevin O'Connell that may be a little different because with uh, Kirk Cousins, he wasn't that mobile of a quarterback. He could get up to the line of scrimmage, make all kinds of adjustments with protection, get the ball of his hand and make plays. Uh, these guys may get on the run a little bit more. Uh, they may, you know, roll them out to cut down the field in half so they can have less of a, less of a field to make decisions with. And it could, it could work out. We'll see. They just got options. Uh, a week from now, Nick Mullins will come off of IR with a back injury. He'll be a third guy. It's amazing. The Vikings went 
in with Kirk Cousins as their starting quarterback. And then by the end of the year, they may have four different starters at the position. And since Kirk Cousins has been the Vikings quarterback, I believe it was 2017, there have been 184 other starting quarterbacks across the NFL. So he has been durable. He's been reliable. He's been a rock in that lineup. So the Vikings are going to get used to change at the uh, big position there. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, I wasn't a big Kirk Cousins fan until I saw uh, quarterbacks this summer. And, um, you know, he won me over there. Of course, you know, I was the star episode two <laughs> with my cameo. Uh, the back, the back of my, my back of my head cameo. <laughs> but we know Dobbs. Dobbs is from Atlanta. So, you know, he played at Alpharetta. He's an aer- yeah, aerospace engineering major. Um, one of my good friends played AAU ball, knows the family, good, good folks. Uh, his mom and uh, – Dad showed up and everything. So, yeah, we've been following him since his high school days. Great uh, great kid and family. Um, but, yeah, I was going to ask about Jaron Hall. We, um, I think his dad, Kalen, played at BYU in the 90s. Uh, you kind of covered it, you know, smaller, smaller quarterback. Probably going to, what, see some more RPOs and stuff like that. Um, I think you're going to think you're going to see some of that. You know, he followed Zach Wilson at BYU mm-hmm. and uh, became a fan favorite. They really endeared, he really endeared himself to the fan base there, just being able to be kind of like a dual threat quarterback. So um, you're going to see some of that activity on Sunday. I would imagine to put him in the best situation uh, possible. You know, he was really thrown into the fire last week in Green Bay after uh, Cousins was injured. But fortunately, the Vikings had a comfortable lead, so he didn't have to like make plays for the team. The thing about this, the Orlando, is that the Vikings running game has been secondary all year. They really relied on the offense and the and the aerial attack with Kirk Cousins throwing to Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, rookie Jordan Addison, and uh KJ Osborne. Jefferson's out. He's coming back from a hamstring. Okay. To me, they're gonna have to vie for a little more balance in the offensive attack now. You know, they've won three straight games and their leading rusher has not gained more than 44 yards in those three wins, in each of those three wins. So I, I've got to imagine it's got to be a little more balance in play here. So they're going to have to uh, force the running game a little bit more, take some pressure off of uh, Jaron Hall and see if they can move the ball that way. And then when Jefferson gets back, I mean, it, except for the other than the running game, it's a good situation for Hall to fall into. He's got four good pass catchers. He's got an offensive line with two bookend tackles and Christian Derrissaw. And Ryan O'Neill, Brian O'Neill, got decent guard and uh, Dalton Risner, who's going to replace Ezra Cleveland, who also got traded today, by the mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. So other than that, there's stuff in place for him where he doesn't all this have to be on him. But still, there has to be a level of functionality at the position, especially the way the game is played today. One of my last questions here. What if they load up the wagon there in the run game? I know they're, um, I got the number, 73.331st in the league. With Madison and Akers, do they have any other receiver they could throw back in there like the Lions did Josh Reynolds last night? They had Josh Reynolds, you know, lining up at running back last night. And uh, I'm just trying to look at the roster and say, hey, do they have a back that a receiver that they like that uh, they might put back there to help Madison and Acres out? You might see Ty Chandler getting that okay. role a little bit. He's a rookie and uh, he returns kicks. He actually had a, a kickoff return uh, called off because of a hold against the Packers, and he's got a little bit of a burst, you know, and he can drag the pile a little bit. So 
and I've seen him catch a couple of passes. I don't know how comfortable they are with him in the passing game. Uh, Madison was supposed to be good in the passing game, but he's dropped more passes than I think people anticipated. You're going to see C.J. Ham on the field. Usually when C.J. Ham gets on the field, that means run. I don't, that means it's going to pass and he's going to be there to pass block. But they can leak him out a couple of times just to kind of throw a curve ball at the defense. So there are a couple options there. Okay, um, I just got to get out with one defensive question. You know, everybody in Atlanta and the Falcons Twitter uh, wanted Danielle Hunter to get traded here. They've been asking for him for <laughs> for three years. And uh, DJ, last time we got a Falcons defensive end, it didn't work out any good when they got Ray Edwards back in uh back in the day. Uh, wow, that's a while ago. That's a while ago. But yeah, um, and then DJ Wanham is from Atlanta, Stevenson High, South Carolina. Had had a big game with two sacks. I don't know the linebackers. I used to, you know, y'all used to have a pretty good linebacking crew there. What's the defense been like? They got some pretty good, you know, middle order pack type numbers. Well, uh, they've improved the last three weeks. Now you can argue that the competition was weird because mm-hmm. uh, one of the victories is against the Chicago Bears, and that offense isn't threatening. They did beat the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. That was awesome. Then, but you, you could argue that Jordan Love and the Packers offense is struggling right now. So two of those three games, you go like, okay, they get to set up. But the thing about Brian Flores and his defense is that, especially because who's going to start a quarterback for the Falcons? I'm projecting Tyler Heineke. They're going to say Desmond. They're being careful with his uh, coming out of con- concussion protocol and the fact that they can't score any points. And Tyler Heineke scored 20 in the second half. You know, they could just go on and say, hey, we're going with the hot hand. Uh, we're not benching. Okay. We're not benching uh, Ritter, but, we, you know, we're going to go with the guy who got us in the end zone. Look look it up. Taylor Heineke has a history of doing pretty good against the Vikings, a team he used to play for. Mm-hmm. So that could be interesting. I was going to say if Ritter starts, then Brian Flores is going to be salivating because he loves to show 10 men at the line of scrimmage and make the quarterback figure out who's blitzing and who's not. He can run. T- There's times when he's had 10 lined up on the line of scrimmage, end up having just three rushing and eight dropping back and just throwing the quarterback off, you know. So that would be more of an issue for Ritter. Heineke has seen some of that before. But I would imagine they're going to dial some of that stuff up too on Sunday. Yeah, and B. Flo wants to do that because he was a, a candidate here for the defensive coordinator spot, and uh, the Falcons went down to Miami to to scrimmage them one year, and they had agreed on all this stuff, and B. <laughs> B. Flo threw it all out the window, and you know they were oh, hot. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were hot. So, so yeah, it'll be. Uh, I was surprised he got the interview here. Uh, coming off for that situation but anyway that'll be a good um uh a matchup to look after uh, they definitely would have had some fun with Ritter but Heineke will know what to do and the Falcons gotta win the game so they're gonna probably go with the veteran and try not to lose again to a rookie making their first uh NFL start which they did last week to Tennessee so Lavelle I'm gonna let you get on out of here really appreciate you coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast We'll um, make sure that everybody follows you. We're going to get your stuff. But Lavelle Neal, Minneapolis Star, Tribune columnist. Thank you so much for coming by. Tell the people where they can find your fine work. That's at startribune.com slash columnist slash Neal. Startribune, startribune.com. I'm also on it, Twitter at at Lavelle Neal. That's L-A-V as in victory, E-L-L-E-N-E-A-L. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Bowtie Chronicles is a very appropriate name, given your background. Not surprised at that. I hope of wealth and prosperity to you. We want to thank Mr. 
Neil, for coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Great information and helping us get prepared for the game on Sunday. The Falcons have to find the path to which way is up. They've been uh, five straight consecutive losing seasons. They got to 500 this year, even got over 500 by a game a couple times. But, you know, a lot is expected here in year third for Coach Arthur Smith, and this team needs to get moving. And so we're going to look at some some uh, key pointers on how they can do it. They got to get this game against the Vikings. Then they play Arizona. Then you go to a break. You go to a bye. The best they could do is go six and four in the first 10 games. You know, they're tied for first place with the Saints in the NFC South. But another plug here, we have our movie, the AJC film. The South got something to say. It's going to be debuting, make its um, premiere, I think is the right word in the film industry, November the 2nd, November the 2nd, and uh, you'll be seeing all the uh, social media action on the movie. It's covering the 50 years of hip hop and uh, Ryan Horn and his brother been the producers on that. Ernie Suggs had a role to play. And so forth. So AJC Film, the South got something to say November the 2nd. Let's move on here to the Falcons and close up with uh, some numbers that could kind of point on how they uh, will do our tail of the tape and the series history here and then wrap it up and get moving on to the rest of the week here. Now, the Falcons and Vikings, um, you know, the Falcons, their issues didn't change much. They, you know, in the bottom half of the league in points scored and passing offense, you know, Heineken, they dropped from 17th to 18th, went up from 29th to 28th, you know, until they have a couple breakout games, they're going to be in the bottom of scoring. Uh, but he scored 20 points in the second half. But Heineke made a good point. He's like, hey, we're in two minute. People play softer in two minute. We got it going there. And so if the Falcons don't block Danielle Hunter and DJ Wanham, uh, it, it won't matter. So, you know, they still got to block a lot better and um, score some points. They're moving the ball. The passing attack is 14th. The, the rushing attack is 14th. Oh, no, excuse me. Passing attack 18th. Rushing attack 14th. No, I'm messing all that up. The yards are 14th overall. Okay, that's in the top half. The rushing attack is 10th, 126.3. And then the passing attack is 18th, which is in the bottom half of the league. The point 17.3, bottom half of the league. Then the um, only other thing in the bottom half of the league for the Falcons is the turnover differential, which is minus 7. It's 30, 30th out of 32 teams. So don't turn the ball over, score points. Okay, they're moving between the 20s. They're moving between the tents, but, um, you know, they don't want to um, have those drive starts and, and start uh, so far back, but they got to get points on the board here. Got to score, got to take care of the ball. Real simple. Everything else, um, the Falcons look pretty good at. You know, when we're talking about scoring defense, 20.1 points, 14th. Uh, yards, uh, 296.6. They're sixth in the league. Passing 194.6. Even though they got bombed out of uh, Nashville uh, last week, they're still eighth in pass defense. Uh, rush defense 102, uh, 14th. Now they're going to have to play some run defense against the Vikings, I do believe. 
Now, the Vikings, you know, you can kind of throw their numbers out on offense because they got to put in the wishbone for this week. Because uh, uh, the, um, the uh, Jaron Hall kid, uh, from my studies, is that he's real small. He's going to have to run. Uh, won't be a, a traditional drop back game. Let's just say that. And their rushing attack is not very good 73.3 yards a game, 31st in the league. Uh, the passing attack with Kirk Cousins was second in passing at 280. He had like uh, four games over 350 this year. He was slinging it, uh, became a big fan of his doing the quarterbacks uh, series. Uh, overall, they were 350.3, 10th, and then 21.9 and points, 15th. So they were in the top half of the league. Looking like a playoff team four at 4-4. Four and four. You know, after a one and four start, they put it together and won the last three here. Now, the time possession is in the bottom half of the league. That's because they was throwing it so much. You throw that one out. But they also turned the ball over a lot. They uh, are minus five and ranked 28th in a turnover differential. So that's the matchup there. You got two teams that turn the ball over. One team that uh, can't run, but now they got to run unless uh, the BYU quarterback, Jaron Neal from BYU, is going to be able to throw it. So that'll be the matchup, and that's a path. Shut down the run, make him throw, get a, get after him, and uh, make him throw you the ball. The Falcons' uh, Falcons path to victory, uh, to which way is up, is, hey, control the blitzing, Get the ball out, score some points, don't turn the ball over. It's real simple for the game plan uh, this week for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, before we get out of here, let's take a bet, look back at the series history. Vikings lead the series 19-11. to 11. This will be the 31st meeting. The uh, Falcons won the last meeting, and it was 40-23 uh, to 23, October the 10th. Uh, 2020 in Minnesota, and that was a historic game. It was Raheem Morris's first game as the interim head coach. It's the first game after Dan Quinn was fired. But Dan Quinn, uh, you know, not one of the two coaches to take the Falcons to the Super Bowl. But um, you know, by 2020, you know, uh, things weren't going so well. They started the season 0 and 5. Raheem took the Falcons right up to Minnesota and won right away. And then you heard um, that was also the week where, I don't know if Mr. Blank was joking, but uh, uh, they were like, how can he get the job? And he's like, win the rest of the game. So, well, that didn't happen. He didn't get the job. And uh, Falcons uh, moved the franchise in another direction. So, also in that game, Julio Jones had uh, um, his next-to-last 100-yard game for the Falcons. He had eight for 137 and two touchdowns. Um, the um, He also had one in a couple few weeks later, seven for 137 against Carolina on October the 29th. And that was it. You know, after that season, Julio was traded to Tennessee, uh, played a year there, then played last year with Tampa, and was just re just signed recently by the Eagles. Had a touchdown last weekend. Uh, wishing him well. But before we get out of here, just summing up, we got um, want to thank our guest Lavelle Neal the Third from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, who came in and gave us a great synopsis of what's going on up there in the Twin Cities with the Minnesota Vikings and Coach Kevin O'Connell's crew. 
be coming in here with the rookie quarterback, Jared Hall. Jaron Hall, and then uh, Joshua Dobbs will back him up. They're going to try to get him ready to play. They'll get some packages for him. And uh, he started eight games with uh, the Cardinals this year. He started two with Tennessee last year, drafted by the Steelers in the fourth round of 2017, finally getting his opportunity in the NFL, people recognizing his abilities and his uh, acumen to learn so many different offenses. And, well, he probably should be working at NASA at some point here, helping save the country, but he's playing football right now. And, uh, uh, you know, Bill, he should be, uh, you know, he's an aerospace engineering major. Man, how smart you got to be to do that. But good luck to Josh. Uh, I'm sure his family's happy that he's coming home for for the weekend. But, yeah, the Falcons, they got to get moving here. Um, And I'm thinking Tyler Heineke is the guy that's going to have to get him moving uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, who are also 4-4. We'll see them on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 1 p.m. So we're going to ask you all to take care of yourself and have a great rest of your week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.